This is Larissa Sarte, and you are listening to the Audible Silence podcast, the first podcast of its kind, brought to you by a woman of color. Enjoy. And now, a story for a rainy day. When I was in Puerto Rico as a little girl, my uncles loved to tell me and my little siblings stories to try to scare us. There were multiple stories that did freak me out, but the one I'm about to share was particularly unnerving because it was true. One of my uncles drives a taxi in Puerto Rico and stations himself at the San Juan airport, even though he lives in Guayama. He gets large fares and tips which pay the bills, but he also loves driving and finds it fascinating to hear stories from various passengers from various walks of life. He is known for his three-hour route to and from the airport, so many people in his community use his services to get to the airport. Then he usually makes his way back to Guayama with fares heading in that general direction. He's delighted when he meets someone going to Guayama at the end of his shift. One day he was so lucky. He happened to pick up three teenage girls heading to Guayama as he was ending his shift. The girls were so grateful. They said they had been there for an hour with no luck. They loaded their luggage into the trunk and let out sighs of relief as they sat. He mentioned that it smelled like strawberries and they offered him some. He gladly obliged. They told him he could have the rest and he placed them on his seat next to him and began snacking. The long drive gave way to conversation and friendly vibes. The girls had a game they played on long drives. If they spotted an animal, the best impression of that animal wins. They knew it was silly and corny, but they were having the best time. There was nonstop chatter, laughter, and animal noises. My uncle usually became a bit tired from the day by that time, but on this day, he was energetic in all smiles. He had the girls to thank for that. Suddenly there was a quiet that fell so heavy it was palpable. My uncle looked up in his rear view mirror and the girls were simply staring out at the overpass, which led to a walkway tunnel for pedestrians. He barely took notice of it before that day. These girls were affected deeply by noticing this overpass and tunnel, and something about the way they looked at it made him shiver. Soon they were all smiles again, and before they knew it, they were close to their home. The girls could not stop thanking him for the ride and getting them home safely. As they were approaching their block, the eldest reached into her purse and realized her wallet was missing. She was responsible for paying for the ride. The girls looked worried, but the eldest knew just what to do. She asked my uncle if it would be okay if they go inside their home to retrieve money from their piggy banks, and if it wasn't enough that they would ask their mother to supplement the rest. They mentioned their luggage in the trunk 
and assured that they would return by offering their luggage as collateral. They even offered to have him keep the meter running while they looked. My uncle saw that as reasonable. Things happen, and they were just young girls after all. He obliged and watched them skip into their home. He waited about five minutes, then seven. When it reached ten minutes, he thought he'd check up on the progress of the money collecting. He rang the doorbell. At first, no one seemed to be home, which wasn't possible, since he knew the three girls were up there looking through their piggy banks right now. He rang again, this time also knocking. A woman who appeared to be gardening came in through the back door to meet my uncle at the front door. The woman hesitantly approached my uncle. He quickly explained that her daughters were looking for money to pay him for the ride and inquired about how long it would be. The woman looked annoyed and asked if he was joking. My uncle said that he wouldn't joke about that. And he even mentioned that the meter was still running and the luggage was still in the trunk. He said he wouldn't drive from the airport to a stranger's house for a prank. Money pays the bills, after all. The woman stops him and asks him to describe the three girls he saw. My uncle was confused at this point and gestured towards the house, explaining that they were inside, that they just walked in ten minutes ago. The woman pleaded for him to humor her. Reminding her that the meter was still running, he described the eldest as wearing a long yellow dress and a matching scarf wrapped her afro puff on top of her head. He said the youngest had a pink dress and two afro puffs with bolitos. He said the middle child wore a black shirt with blue jeans, a middle part, and a simple afro ponytail. The woman began crying and asked for him to wait at the door while she went to get something. My uncle wasn't sure what else to do besides wait, so he did. She returned with a photo of the girls wearing the exact outfits he described. The woman explained that these were indeed her daughters, but that they died on this exact day a year before. She was just outside in her garden, picking strawberries for her offering to them on her altar. They were their favorite. My uncle felt a chill and explained that they gave him strawberries for the ride and that he was eating them. He couldn't understand how someone who wasn't alive could give him strawberries. He walked over to the car to retrieve their luggage and gave her his condolences. But when he opened the trunk, there was nothing in it. The woman smiled. My uncle showed her the strawberries that were still there and promised her that he didn't simply buy them from somewhere. She believed him, told him to stop the meter, and paid him. My uncle told her, if she ever needed anything, that he didn't live too far away, and the holidays would be here soon. He didn't want her to feel alone, and he got the sense that she was alone a lot. They said their goodbyes, but my uncle thought of something. He asked where they were buried so that he could pay his respects, as they were his angels that day and kept him awake, smiling the entire ride. The mother gave a half-hearted smile and shook her head. She told him that they never found their bodies. Then she paused. They were heading back home from the airport. They called me from there, saying they were on their way, but they never made it to me. 
She explained that she sets up offerings on an altar for her ancestors and daughters. My uncle does the same and vowed to leave an offering on his altar for them when he got home. He left an open offer for her to contact him anytime. They exchanged information and departed ways. As soon as my uncle got home, he lit white candles for the girls and prayed they found peace in the afterlife. That night, my uncle had a dream that shook him. He heard female screams, saw blood, and felt a cold, inexplicable darkness. Then, the image of the pedestrian overpass and the tunnel flashed before him, and he woke up. He immediately knew what it meant. He felt he would find the girls somewhere near the pedestrian overpass. He had no proof they would be there, but our lineage speaks to us through our dreams. Some of us have the sight to see the dead. Some of us dream, and our ancestors speak to us through our dreams. Some of us feel things, but most of us have a combination of all those gifts. He knew it was his duty to find them. They chose him, otherwise he wouldn't have been able to see them in the first place. They weren't having trouble looking for the cab that day. They chose him to help them. He knew it. He went to the overpass the next day. He felt an uneasy feeling walking through the poorly lit, piss-smelling tunnel. He walked and walked, but saw nothing suspicious. Still, he felt a presence like something didn't want him to continue. It felt heavy. He knew there was a negative presence near, attempting to divert him from his mission. He got to the end of the tunnel, and it led him to a large open field. He felt no less uneasy being in the open field as he did in the tunnel. Just across that open field was a mountain, and to the side, was a forest. My uncle suddenly felt drained and passed out in the middle of the field. He knew it was the presence that drained him, and he tried to fight it and stay awake, but he couldn't. While unconscious, he had another dream. The girls showed him where they were. My uncle came too, drank some water, and made his way into the large woody area near the field. He wasn't prepared for what he would find. Images of his dream flashed, which sent him chills, but his resolve was to find them. He stopped on some fertile land in the middle of the woods, and a chill ran up his spine. He knew they were there. He realized he only had his hands. He didn't expect to be digging, but he knew somehow that their bodies were under that fertile area. He got down on his knees, and used his hands, the only thing he had, and began digging. He didn't care how long it would take. He dug and dug, and finally, he stopped. He looked down, and what he saw unnerved him. It was the same yellow scarf that one of the girls in his cab was wearing, and two pink bolitos. He stopped digging right there because he didn't want to see anything else. He called authorities immediately 
and explained where he was and what he found. When authorities arrived, they saw the scene before they got to where my uncle was. You see, he ventured a bit further away from the site. He couldn't stomach looking at it. The authorities immediately called for the forensic team. My uncle, however, passed out again before they even reached him. When he came to, he said his vision seemed strange. Everything was a bright blur. He didn't really know where he was, but he felt calm and at peace. He told me that the officers discovered four bodies that day. The three girls and my uncle. Someone hijacked his taxi, took his money, killed them all, and hid the bodies. When I was old enough to understand, my uncle showed me all of this in a dream.